of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, what do you see in the mirror when you look in the mirror every morning? Do you see a man depressed, overwhelmed by his sins, on the verge of giving up? Do you see a woman who is just tired, worn out with the daily crosses that she has to bear? Maybe discouraged because seeing the sinfulness inside of her? Thinking there's not much hope? What is it that we see in the mirror? What is it that we see in the mirror of our soul? There are many people who can fool others. They're very good actors and actresses. They pretend that they are very good, that they have virtue, that they're kind, that they're nice. Perhaps they speak about religious things, spiritual topics. But inside they're full of anger, resentment, maybe hatred, maybe impurities, injustices in their life, dishonesty. But they're trying to fool people. They want others to think that they're good. So they hide what they really are to other people. They wear a mask. But God knows. God knows what's inside of us. Maybe we are like that a little bit. People like that are called hypocrites because they wear costumes and masks to pretend they are something they, they are not. But at the same time, perhaps, we are those who do look inside of our soul and see sinfulness. And maybe our tendency is to give up, to be depressed, to be discouraged. Sometimes there are those who, when they see inside of themselves a sinfulness or bad tendencies, bad habits, they try to, uh, they, they try to convince themselves that it's not that bad. These sins aren't that bad. And make up all these kinds of excuses. Oh, I'm still young. I can still go on a retreat later on uh, this spring. I can go to confession. Uh, there are priests here every Sunday. Even during the week, I can go any time to ask Father to hear my confession. So they, they use, perhaps, or they fall into presumption. They use the availability of, of sacraments as almost like a crutch or an excuse to commit a sin. Well, I can go to confession, so I guess I can sin. Now what happens, uh, well, imagine those people who are in areas where they don't have a priest, they don't have the Mass in other countries, or in parts of our country where the Mass uh, Center is four hours away. What are those people going to do if they think to themselves, well, I'm tempted to commit a mortal sin, should I? Well, when's the next time you're going to be able to go to confession, if you're living in that kind of a place? You're going to take a chance for several weeks, several months before you can go to confession and stay in the state of mortal sin? In the gospel today, we see the example, uh, once again, of a, of a person who does not have the purpose of amendment. Maybe he's sorry for his sins. The devil is attacking him, or maybe he is even possessing him by mortal sin. But the man, he realizes through some special grace that he needs to change his life, or at least to go to confession. So he makes a good confession, and the devil is, is expelled from his soul. So grace comes in. So we see the man who, uh, who uh, we find that the, the enemy, the devil, is in the soul and the devil is expelled from the man and goes around wandering around. So the man uh, doesn't have the devil in him anymore. He maybe has sanctifying grace. 
But what does he do during that time when the devil has been expelled, sanctifying grace has come back into the soul? Does he do anything to change his life? This is what our Lord is trying to show us in, in the, today's gospel. The man did not do anything to change his life. In other words, to live a life more of the Christian spirit, of spirit of penance, of self-sacrifice, of practicing virtue, doing good works, making reparation for his sins. He didn't do any of these things. He didn't do anything. He just took for granted that God was going to forgive him. And slowly that man fell back into a presumption that he was good, into a state of, uh, of uh, the illusion that he was good when he wasn't really and so the devil had more and more, more power over him and came back. The man fell back into his old habits, his old sins, and this time he became worse than he was before. Because it says that that same devil, he, he went and, and got seven other wicked spirits worse than himself. And they all came into that man and possessed him so that the state of that man was worse than it was before. Now, you probably know that these seven spirits, wicked spirits, worse than himself, these seven wicked spirits refer to the seven capital sins. In other words, all sinfulness. Now, this is a, perhaps an admonition and a warning to each one of us, too. Right? Lent is a time for being sorry for our sins, and doing penance. But there must be the purpose of amendment. Right? We need to change our lives. We have to be a changed person. It's good, yes, a good, a good first step to make a good confession and tell God we're sorry for our sins. But the next and more important step is to persevere in that state of repentance by changing our life, the purpose of amendment. Well, if I know that this place or that place or these persons or this situation is an occasion of sin for me, well then... Not only am I sorry for committing those sins, but I'm going to make every effort to avoid that occasion of sin. So, how are we using our Lent? It's been the third Sunday now. Have we been faithful to the penances that we told God we would do? You know, Our Lady of Fatima, she, she very strongly exhorts all of us to do penance, not only for our own sins, but for the sins of countless people who are not yet sorry for their sins. You know, St. Paul says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Now, yes, Christ died on the cross, shed his blood for the whole world. But the members of his mystical body must be united with him on that cross during their lifetime in order to call to, to as a word, to ask our Lord to, to apply his blood to the souls on earth now. So we have to be with him on that cross. God has called us. Right? He's given us the grace to know the traditional faith, to know the truth. He's called us to be victims with him on the cross, not only to make reparation for our own sins so that the blood of Christ can wash us clean by prayer, sacrifice, penance, and reparation, but also to be victims for other sinners. Whether they be friends or family, or pray for perhaps uh, priests or bishops, pray for the Holy Father. He's been very sick lately. He had the tracheotomy just a couple of days ago. So pray for the Pope in Rome, that God give him the strength to, to bring tradition back to the church. But there must be those who suffer first, who have to suffer first in order to obtain the grace. Someone has to do the penance to obtain the grace for sinners. So let us be willing to be victims like our Lord is calling us to be today. But then there are those who think, well, during Lent I'm going to do this penance, that penance, and this other penance, and so on, and I'm going to be really good. And people are going to walk and see me and they say, boy, that, 
That's a sure holy guy. He's a holy guy or she's a holy girl. Is that what our intention is, just to impress other people? Or at the same time, they undertake certain penances and perhaps they, they make good efforts. Like the, the, the man who's doing penance or extra spiritual reading and, and as soon as his wife says, Oh honey, I need you to do this for me. He gets angry. He's upset. You know, well, can't you see I'm praying, I'm doing my penance here and now and, and loving God? Not realizing that, you know, the most important penance that we have to accept and do willfully uh, with cheerfulness, resignation, without bitterness, without resentment, is the penance of our daily cross. In other words, to be faithful to our duties in our state of life. And sometimes those are difficult. Right? The man's obligation in the home is to be a good husband and a good father and to carry his daily cross as a husband and father to do the will of God. Now, how can other extra-voluntary penances be that pleasing to God if we aren't even, even bearing our normal daily penances in our state of life well, with the cheerfulness, with the, the promptness to do God's will? Right, so, so the man must think when he has uh, burdens to bear in his daily life as a husband and a father, he's got to get up and go to work and, and make the money, come home and take care of his wife and his children and the house and the bills. And he shouldn't say, oh, this is just, I just don't know if I should have done this. And <laughs> well, it's too late. <laughs> but the more important thing is to say, you know, I want to accept this. Uh, I, for, I, I'm accepting this, this cross, this suffering, because it's God's will. This is God's will for me. This is the way of the cross for me to save my soul and to give glory to God. So I'm going to bear with this suffering because it's the will of God. And I want to do the will of God. See, that's far more pleasing than, accept, than undertaking all these voluntary penances, penances that we choose. Right? To accept the, the daily crosses that come our way without our, without our choice, without our volition. Those are very pleasing to God because it requires more submission to the will of God when there isn't the, the election on our part. And don't we all know that? So that applies to the man and applies to the wife, to the mother. Her daily cross is hard, you know, in the home, locked inside that house. No one knows you anymore. Your friends, you can't go out with them and do things and be popular and be known by everyone and, and so on. Right? Just an everyday housewife, right? Washing the clothes, doing the dishes, taking care of the children, the sick children, taking care of the husband, and all the crosses that go along with that. Don't, doesn't every wife know? <laughs> But you know, at the same time, the wife must say to herself, you know, Lord, I'm going to try to, I'm going to accept these crosses, this suffering in my life, because it is your will for me. It's your will. You see, I embrace this cross. I'm going to try the best to carry this cross. And then to try to have a certain amount of cheerfulness, or at least resignation, in the daily, daily crosses we have. Imagine if, if everybody had long faces and was always, were always depressed. If everybody was always depressed. Long faces, you know. Well, what religion are you? I'm traditional Catholic. You know, you know how many people would want to be traditional Catholic if we had that kind of a demeanor? You know, people are all looking for happiness. That's all people want. They want to be happy. So we have to show that happiness in our life too, in spite of the cross, and actually in view of the cross, because in the cross is eternal life. In the cross is the happiness that we really seek. And don't we know, because if we try to avoid that cross, aren't we unhappy? <laughs> yes, much more so. If we run away from the cross, it finds us in every other, every way possible. Even other crosses find us that we didn't even dream of. So happiness is in bearing the cross for Christ, to accept it without complaining, without the bitterness. 
without resentment, without bringing up the faults of someone that happened, something that happened five years ago, when you get mad at the person again. Don't you remember five years ago when you did that to me? And we haven't forgiven, maybe. So we have to forgive completely. Let it be washed away forever. Remember when um, Saint Claude de la Colombière, the spiritual director of Saint Margaret Mary. I imagine how he felt when he heard the confessions of the sisters and that one little sister came in and said, Jesus appeared to me. <laughs> imagine the poor priest, uh, any priest who was afraid to hear that, right? The woman comes in, oh, Father, I've been having apparitions. <laughs> you know, so the Father Claude de Colombier said, are you sure? Oh, yes, the Sacred Heart appeared to me. He said this and that and the other. And, oh, are you sure it was the Sacred Heart? Oh, yes, Father, it was. It was our Lord. So I said, well... If he appears to you again, oh, he will, he will. If he appears to you again, I want you to ask him something for me. We have to make sure that our Lord is, we see what his will is. Yes, Father, what shall I ask him? He said, well, the next time he appears to you, I want you to ask him to tell you the last mortal sin that I confess in confession. And St. Margaret Mary said, really, Father? Yes. Yes, Father, I will. So next time Father comes back for confession, whether it's two weeks or a month, whatever, and here's the confessions of the sisters, and here in comes kneeling Margaret Mary. Sister Margaret Mary comes in and says, Father, this is the sister who talked about the apparition last time? Oh, yes, I've been thinking a lot about you. He says, and he asked her right away, did you ask him what I told you? She said, yes, Father. And what did the Sacred Heart say? He said, he does not remember it has all been washed away forever. And so the St. Claude said, that is the Sacred Heart. What does he want me to do? That's something he does for each one of us. When you go to confession, it's washed away forever. So if he has forgiven you, then you have to forgive yourself. Right? Forgive yourself and use the grace of God to make reparation for those sins. Thank God for his mercy. But try to be an example towards others who are also looking for the mercy of God. Maybe they don't know God yet. They haven't found him and they're still living in a state of sin. Where are they going to see the mercy of God except in you? in your example towards them, the way you forgive them. They're mean to you. Well, what's the normal reaction? Well, to get even, to be mean in return. But that's not the supernatural reaction. If we, need to, if we want to teach others the mercy of God, we have to, have the, we have to practice the, the example of Christ, the supernatural reaction, which is to forgive them, to be a victim for their sins. And this starts right in the home. And that does not mean that the husband and wife can intentionally make each other victims. No. They have to do what's in their power to avoid what hurts the other person. The husband must do with everything in his power to avoid hurting his wife, saying those things, doing those things, or omitting those things, which causes suffering for his wife and children. And the wife must do the same. You see, our, we want to conquer other people. We have to, how many times we hear people saying, I've got to try to get that person to stop doing that. You know, it's true. We want help, to help people not to, to stop sinning. But in order to conquer others for Christ, We've got to conquer ourselves first. We must conquer ourselves first. So look into our soul, look into our hearts, see what we really are. We aren't fooling God. God knows what we are. He knows that we are sinners. And all he wants us is to acknowledge the same thing, to be united with God, to acknowledge what we are sinners. Yes, Lord, I admit I am this. And with thy grace, I can conquer this. And I'm going to make an effort. And Lent is a good time to start or to put back into practice what I've been neglecting during the past year. That's what Lent is for. 
just for us to renew our sorrow for our sins, to admit what we are, not to pretend to be an actor or an actress that we're very holy and good. I mean, we try to be holy and good, but not pretend. Let's make it real. Let's make it real sanctity, real forgiveness towards others, real kindness without the the ulterior motives and selfish motives in doing things for others. Maybe there's always a, a, or frequently a selfish reason why we're doing this or that or the other. Maybe we're always looking, thinking about ourselves. So let us use this time of Lent to be faithful to the penances that we've chosen to do. But more importantly, let us be faithful to the penances of our daily crosses, of everyday life, so that we don't become a penance to, our, to other people to our husband, to our wife, to our children, or to our parents. My children, yet we can do penances too, right? right? But to, and offer these up with the Spirit of Christ to save your soul, to save the souls of your family, your parents, to save the souls of your children, to penance for your children, be victims for them, obtain for them the graces they will need when they grow up into their teenage years, though we know that we need grace to be strong. Pray for your children when they're young, then obtain for them that grace, right? And you will become a saint. And then you won't have to, to think that you have to be bossy to make your children do the right thing because they will see the reflection of Christ in you and in the mothers they will see the reflection of Mary and the inclination will want to be to obey them, to obey you. So be like our Lord, Our Lady, during this time of Lent. Do penance for your sins and the sins of others and above all, have the charity of God. Be pure not only in body with chastity and modesty, but be pure in your soul and your intentions. Love God for His sake. Love your neighbor for the sake of God. And you will see that those blessings will come back down upon you. So turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary that she will encourage you and obtain for you the grace of perseverance during these times of sufferings and trial. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.